Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York. And Boca Raton, Florida. It's the Freight 360 Podcast. From freight broker sales tips to sports talk, this podcast is all about helping you grow as a freight broker. We're your hosts, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. Welcome back, everybody. It's episode 177 of the Freight 360 Podcast. And I say it every week, but we got a great episode where we're, we talk about all about prospecting today, especially prospecting when things maybe are slow for you right now. Some some tactics and tips you could do. We'll tell some stories about what we've seen personally. Uh, but first, welcome back for another great episode. Ben's back with us this week after being out last week. Continue to keep consuming all of our content. Send us your questions. We got four good ones at the end of today. Share us with your friends. Leave that five star review. Um, the one-star reviews don't do anybody any good, and thank, thankfully, we haven't really had any of those, especially <laughs> lately. Uh, but keep consuming it wherever you guys uh, do, whether it's YouTube, Spotify. Um, we're not on AM radio yet, but uh, thank, thank goodness well, will, we're not. I will add this. If you are a fan and you watch our show and you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do it. Cost you nothing. Helps us with our rankings. So again, if you're following us on the podcast app and you do watch us, do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. Absolutely. Um, sports. The big, big highlight. Well, I guess. Yeah, I'll go with this one first. Tom Brady has retired again. So uh, today's February 1st, it's a Wednesday, and ironically, February 1st last year he retired, and then 40 days later, unretired. Now February 1st this year, he retired again. My favorite part of that whole thing, I heard it this morning on, on radio, was he goes, I wouldn't regret a thing. And all the guys on Pittsburgh radio, they were like, I'll bet Giselle was super happy to hear that. <laughs> like, <laughs> you came back for an extra year, you didn't do anything, I and mean, I think he still had like the reception record um, for like QBs this year, but regardless, he didn't do anything that he expected to do. And I don't know. Yeah, it was, uh, it's never, it's never fun to see somebody with a great career end on such a terrible season. Like the way they, he had like, I think it was a record for a number of pass attempts in a game, like a playoff game or so. It was like almost 60 pass attempts he had to throw. It was yeah. like his highest one or something, but yeah. Other than that, you got uh, Pro Bowl this weekend. They're playing flag football, I think. Um, and then you got the Philadelphia Eagles facing off um, against the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl coming up uh, next weekend. So there you go. That's how it shaped up. Interesting. I saw an article, I think uh, it was on a, one of the golf pages I follow. It was a picture of Josh Allen and said, Josh Allen opted out of playing at the Pro Bowl to play golf. They were like, so he's just like everybody else, called off work to go play golf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. The uh, I mean, that's the whole thing with the Pro Bowl is like, yeah. it's kind of like a, what do they call that when like you have a, let's say you're at the county fair as a kid and you put in a, your animal or your your phot- photograph or whatever for a prize and you didn't get the uh, first, second or third, you get the honorable consolation mention, right? prize, consolation, yeah, like the prize. consolation prize or the honorable mention. That's what the pro bowl is. It's like, yeah, you didn't win. Um, so, you, you know, they, you know, he's, they still get named as a pro bowler, right? But they're playing flag football. Um, so I've historically never watched the pro bowl unless I have absolutely nothing else going on. Um, in which this case, 
I I'm playing Army this weekend, so but I should be uh, I should be able to watch it. But hopefully, I'll find something else more entertaining to watch. So yeah, that's the uh, that's the NFL for you. Right around the corner, baseball. You got a few weeks until the pitchers and catchers report. Uh, we can start talking some baseball. Golf is going to come around the corner too. Hockey is entering the All Star break. The Sabers. Um, only one game out of a wild card spot. People in Buffalo are kind of all—they all hopped off the Bills for the for the time being and onto the Sabers bandwagon. And uh, I have I have some emotional uh, capacity right now to follow them a little bit. So I may you may hear me talk about the Sabers a little bit here uh, in the next you know the coming months. But I don't have too many high hopes. Other than that, in sports. Um, is there anything else big? I feel like that's Tom Brady's retirement. It's like the headline everywhere. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yep. All right. Well, um, let's talk about load boards and DAT and we'll get into it. Taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT load board network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners. Plus, you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. With the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Check out the show notes for a free month of Power Express or Trucker's Edge. A whole soon-to-be DAT1, which we're going to be doing some uh, videos. Yeah, I I talked about DAT1 a little bit last week. Um, We're going to be doing some work with DAT to get some videos out there to highlight a lot of the cool new tools. Um, It was crazy when we talked with our our friends over at DAT a couple weeks ago. And I was like, you know, I, I really haven't seen a difference in it. I said the same thing. I was like, and it looks like, identical. I'm like, what? And then I realized I wasn't using DAT one. I was still using the old one. Yeah. So I gotta we're gonna get with their product team and figure out all the really cool stuff and see. Hopefully, I mean, I assume it's better, right? You figure when a new tool comes out, it yeah. should be what people were asking for. So <laughs> more more to follow on DAT. But all right. So today we're going to talk about <laughs> prospecting. Um, so the, the reason for this this topic, I have talked to more people in the last probably month or two um, about a similar topic than I have like in the last three years. And that is, okay, stuff is slowing down. What do, like, where do I even start? I've had like Guys that are like been in the industry seven, eight years, and they're like, I have not made a cold call in three years. So I yep. let's set the stage here, right? We've talked about this and we kind of kind of thought it's coming, right? But not because we COVID didn't say it wasn't surge, coming. <laughs> the COVID surge is done, right? The the economic boom has you know obviously retracted. Um it's almost like you kind of feel like it's a new season of our society, right? Like even from Washington, DC, basically the, all the COVID stuff is going to be ending in, in May. I think they said it's so like all the, the COVID money towards things, which a lot of that did result in um, increased shipping in some way, shape or form. Plus the backlogs that we had it, you know, we, we saw a very, very long surge that we haven't seen in a while. And whether you're new to the industry and that's all, you know, or you've been in it long enough to know what it was like before, but you kind of stopped prospecting. We've all got to get ourselves back to square one here and say, 
what do we do here? And it's funny, we just did, because um, we, we do some coaching periodically for the the folks that are members of TIA that are new in their new broker success uh, program there. We, we, uh, we, Chris Jolly and us, the three of us together do a variety of topics. And we, we talked about the whole concept of prospecting and how it should never be an activity that is not part of your job. And I know that's easier said than done, but the reality is your customer could go out of business. Their freight volumes could shrink. They could lose business from their customers, which reduces the volume of shipping, you could lose them as a customer because somebody else is doing a better job or just steals them from you. Uh, they could get bought out. The traffic manager could get fired or retire or get promoted. And there's somebody new in that role that you're not friends with like you thought you were. A um, number of things, right? You know what this reminds me of? Did you watch the Looney Tunes when we were when you were a kid? Like the ones from like the 50s and 60s, like the really old yeah. ones? Black there's and white. There's one. It was in color, but this is back from the 50s, I think, where... I probably just assumed it was black and white because I was so yeah. young. It was a cartoon where there was like two squirrels and a grasshopper. And throughout the summer, both grasshopper or both the squirrels are putting away nuts into their tree for winter, right? And um, we'll use the nuts in the tree as the prospecting, right? Like they're planning and preparing for when the winter cha- when the winter comes and things change, right? And the grasshopper is just dancing. He's like, oh, there's all the food in the world. It's summer. I don't need to do anything. And then, you know, clearly winter comes, he's freezing, doesn't make it, ends up, you know, the squirrels come and help him. But I think it's a really good analogy because that's where everybody's finding themselves, right? And we say that like, it's inevitable, business will slow down. And even if it doesn't slow down and another broker, other people are competing for the business you're running, whether you know it or not. So it is inevitable that there's going to be attrition in your own book of business. And if you're not prospecting and you don't have a funnel of prospects that you are hoping turn into customers, you're starting from day zero, right? Yeah. If your average average customer takes a couple months to close, you're two, three months out from seeing any more real business if you haven't kept that funnel going the whole time. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you some of the some of the recommendations that I've given to, to my folks that are experiencing this right now. And it's it's like this. It's like don't overcomplicate it, right? Just because you ha- you're moving less freight right now for whatever reason doesn't mean that you're not as good as your job as you used to be. It just means that you have to do a different function of your job to get yourself back to where you are. So if you are really, really good at dealing with a certain kind of freight, or if you have a really strong carrier network in a certain region, don't forget that. That is 1,000% where I would start and focus my efforts, right? For example, if you have been historically really, really good at shipping building materials of all shapes and forms that go on flatbed in the Southwest, right? Don't say, "Mm, yeah, let's go back to the drawing board and try to move some beverage items out of the Northeast. No, (laughs) already developed a carrier base. Right. And these are carriers that are like begging for good paying yes. freight, good loads to haul right now. Use what you have t- to your advantage as a starting point. Okay. Because you're going to have a lot less competition from new brokers trying to get into the market right now because they're starting to see that it's not as easy as it was 12 or 18 months ago. So talk to your carriers and ask them what they think. Right. Talk to your customers too and try to find out what they're seeing that's different. So, if you're, let's say, for example, you are moving 
poultry, right? Let's say you're moving frozen chicken for Tyson or whoever, right? Then you lost them as a customer or your business decreased dramatically. Tyson or whoever the customer is, is not the only player in that space. They're not the only ones that move that commodity. They're not the only ones that operate in that region, right? Use whatever you're familiar with and good at and absolutely just capitalize on it. You've got the carrier relationships already. They're asking for loads. You know how to run that freight. You know how that reef unit has to operate. You understand those types of facilities and the requirements. Stick with what you know. That's my first number one go-to. What, what do you think about that? I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, look at the lanes you were running. And, you know, and if you lost a customer, go back because those carriers are still there, to your point, and they're asking you for freight. Start prospecting other things that are in those areas that would work in those lanes. You've got the carriers there. You've got the rates built in. You've got the reliability built in. You just need to find another prospect that works. So I think that's great advice in regards to trying to revamp, you know, I guess a book that had, had some unexpected losses. Yeah. And I'll tell you too, this is a great time to double down on advancing your relationship with your existing customers. Because if they're not as busy moving freight, they likely have less time being spent on putting fires out and more time to talk to you about what's going on behind those four walls there. This is a great time to take like, I don't know, three, four hours on a Friday and say, I'm just going to work on building relationships, figuring out what's going on with my customers. Because let's face it, the reality is when things are booming and business is just really, really heavy and it's extremely time consuming, we don't have as much time to stop, take a knee, and just have those conversations like you normally would in your traditional prospecting calls, right? So, hey, you know, like what's been going on with you guys? Are you guys getting less business? What's coming up in the next 12 months? Have those kind of conversations. They do They do a variety of things. One, you get information. But two, you're building rapport with somebody that otherwise you've just kind of been coasting along with recently. So this is a great time to build those relationships up because they're likely slower Right. And you might find out that, oh, they're expecting some layoffs coming up. There might be some turnover inside the company there. They might consolidate their their logistics department temporarily until things change in their and their outbound shipment. So that's a great time to yes. take advantage of that. A couple of tips on that. One of the things that I have a lot of our clients do that we work with is if you know somebody, you should know somebody up and somebody over. Like if your point of contact is Jim at ABC Anvils, right? You should know Jim's boss and you should know his colleague. And if you don't, you should prospect or try to get Jim to introduce you or to just call them and to build some rapport with them. We were talking about this actually in the last class we just taught, which is the average person stays in a job like two to three years. Well, guess what? Like your point of contact, no matter how good your relationship is, they're probably not going to retire in that role. Meaning at some point it's inevitable they'll be replaced, they'll be promoted, or they'll go to another company and do the same job. And you might be able to do business with them there, but you might not be able to maintain the business at the current place. So you really want to expand the amount of people you have relationships with before you start asking for more business too. Because you also see that a lot of those other people might tender loads into different regions, different modes of transportation, different aspects of the business that you might not even be aware this customer's moving just because you just never asked. So one, that's a great place to start. So I'll give you, I mean, this is somewhat related to that. Um, In the agent world, right? So with my company, Pierce, the most successful agents that we have inside of our organization 
are the ones that not only have a good relationship with me, but with my boss, who's the owner of the company, with my assistant who backs me up, with everybody else in the company that is there to assist in specific things. Because I'm busy. There's times when I'm out or traveling or whatnot. They get to ingrain themselves even more with the organization to be more successful. And they get to know the other brokers in the company and find out, hey, this person's got a ton of reefer carriers that are begging for business. And I've got customers that want access to that capacity. Would have never known had they not networked. The same concept applies with you and your customers, right? And it could be the fact that you get to know who their suppliers are. You can start to go down the referral path, right? You might you might even be able to have a, a friendly type conversation and find out who's their competitor. Let me go call over there and get a little intel. You you do some prospecting, you can come back to them, give them some information too. It's good stuff. So I'm all about trying to extend that reach as far as you can beyond your normal communication path because you will never get a sale. Well, I shouldn't say never. You will very, very rarely get a sale that you do not ask for. Yes. I think something else too that I try to do as a rule of thumb is every time I'm speaking to somebody, I try to learn one more personal thing about them, whether it's a hobby, a family member's name, an interest, something they did this week or last week, anything to just expand my relationship with that human being. Because again, we talk about this a lot, but it's way more important to get your point of contact or your prospect to know, like, and trust you than it is to talk about business. The business is like a formality. Like I'll spend 90% of a 10 or 15 minute call talking about personal things with my customers and like two or three minutes on the business because the trust is there, like the loyalties, like all of the important things are there. So the information I get after that is way more valuable. Because if you're talking to somebody you don't have any rapport with, you have no idea what they're telling you is true. I'll be honest, it's probably not. They're giving you 10% of what you need to know just so that they can get what they need done. So trust is so often overlooked, especially with existing customers. Because people are like, oh, well, they're sending me freight. Why do I need to know them anymore? Well, because again, what we just said before, they won't be there forever. And if you don't know them well enough, they're not going to introduce you. And they're certainly not going to give you a heads up when they're taking another job. They're just going to not be there one day. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So a good rule of thumb, and we kind of alluded to this earlier, is that the the activity of prospecting and also developing your relationship with your customer, it's an activity that you should never neglect, right? If you get to a point with your book of business, and a lot of us, this happened in the last couple of years, where you get so busy that all you're doing is managing your business and not doing anything to enhance or plant new seeds, right? Because we're we're essentially farmers in this in this brokerage world. We're planting lots of seeds, we're watering them, watering them, watering until they harvest, right? So if you spend 100% of your time just moving freight and covering loads and you spend 0% of your time nurturing your relationship with your customer, prospecting new business, then it's going to collapse and it's going to fall internally on you when times do slow down like they have right now for a lot of people. And I talked about this on our coaching call earlier with TIA. It's a perishable skill, right? If you spent the last three years just hustling and moving freight, you probably got really good at identifying what lanes are moving at, what cost, which which lanes are tight, where capacity is loose, who's having issues. But what you haven't done a good job at is keeping up with your ability to generate new leads, Talk for the first time on a cold call to somebody for the first time that's brand new you've never spoken to, right? Have a personal conversation with one of your customers because you didn't have the time to do it. 
Those are perishable skills. And if you don't dedicate a portion of your time to do that in some way, shape, or form, you're essentially starting from ground zero all over again right now or whenever it inevitably happens for you. So I always recommend, even if it's just like two hours a week, you can add that two hours, like, you know, shorten your weekend or shorten your your evening by two hours, one time per week to be able to still flex that muscle. Your goal isn't to add 17 new customers this month, but it's, I want to keep doing this activity to make sure I stay sharp and fresh at it. And yes, it takes activity to close new customers and get new business. So that will happen as well, but not at the rate that you need it to when you've got to double down on like right now. The one thing I remember when I was at TQL and I'll, I'll forget, I was like first six months, seven months. And I remember spending time with my manager and having him introduce me to the other top brokers in the country, like who was putting up like real numbers, like, you know, five, six, seven million dollars a year in like GP, right? Like take home, these guys are making a couple million dollars a year. And I'll never forget the one thing every single one of them had in common. I mean, unequivocally, there was not one that did not have this in common. No matter how much money they were making, no matter how big their teams were, they did exactly what you just said. If they were moving 150 loads a week, they prospected for 20 minutes if they could make it. If they were moving 300 loads a week and they could find 15 or 20 minutes, they were never letting a week pass where they were not either adding leads to their prospect or following up or somehow staying active in this activity. Like if it's neglected, that's always the first thing that you see before people end up finding some other job inevitably. Might be six months, it might be two years from now, but it's inevitable. If you stop prospecting, you will eventually need to find some other job. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a level of comfort that certain people fall into where they're like, I'm comfortable making the money that I'm making right now. I don't feel any pressure or desire to go out there and do any more work. And that's a dangerous place to my be. Buddy, my buddy who I was just talking to, actually, at lunchtime, he calls it, um, he's coming on as a sub agent underneath me. He calls it 10 grand-itis. He runs a successful auto <laughs> transport business. He's like, yeah, as soon as these guys make 10 grand a month, everything stops and all's right in the world. And then it's like, then it drops to seven and then their hair's on fire because their expenses went up to eight. And now it's like, well, now what do I do? Yeah. Well, you get that. Well, there's a couple of things to talk about here, right? You get that lifestyle creep, right? Everything's been good. Maybe you got yourself a new car or you got a new house or a new toy or whatever it is. Your expenses go up. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, what? But the other side of it too is like for for those of you out there that are in leadership positions or you own a brokerage, you have a responsibility and a duty as as a boss or a leader to be able to hold your folks accountable and coach them through this. It's, it's a real thing that if it's your first time in sales, you get to that, like we'll use your case, the 10 grand, you 10 grand itis, and you don't know any better because you feel like you've been told for so long that that's a goal you should strive to achieve. And once you get there, you're like, I made it. I did now it. we coach. Well, that's, not, that's not the reality, right? Um, I had... I had a really good boss at the last brokerage I worked for, and there's a lot of good things he taught me. He's the one that always said, "If you, you know, you got to have your cell phone and your integrity. If you lose either one, you're done. But he also told me never to get comfortable, right? That once you get to a point where you, you're doing X amount in business, you should be like, hell yeah, I made it. What's the next goal, right? And that was always the mindset that we have. And he would make jokes like, you know, we'd go for a long lunch on a Friday or something like that, the team, and he'd be like, Imagine your commissions if you guys actually worked on Fridays. Like he would always, he would hold us accountable, put our feet to the fire, and remind us. And then if we had a down month, you know, at least he 
he held us accountable. He's like, remember this conversation we had? And eventually you learn like there's a time to sit back and relax and enjoy the the fruits of all your hard labor. But you've got to have some intentionality behind the activity that you put in, right? You can cut or, cut out loose on a Friday or take a long weekend or whatever, but you've got to make up for whatever you were going to do that week sometime earlier in the week or another day in that week. So, yeah. There was, I wanted to touch on two things. Um, one, you were talking about farming. And I think that is a really great analogy to really describe what people are doing well and aren't. And what you see in a market like this and everything we just talked about is as soon as the book of business shrinks a bit or you lose some loads or you lose a customer or the market shifts and you've got less than you had, right? What everybody has a tendency to do is to solve the short-term problem. And again, this is usually also increased by the brokerages because the brokerages and the manager are yelling at you like, you're doing 30 loads a week. Now you're doing 12. Go get 12 more loads. Go get 18 more loads, right? This week. But the reality is, is you can't farm more leads today. Like you can't really build a relationship today. So for one, if you find yourself in a place where you're not happy because your book has shrunk, if you haven't been prospecting, the worst thing you could do is start calling people you haven't spoke to in a year or never spoke to and only focus on what's going on right now. Meaning you're calling them going, hey, what freight do you have on your desk? What loads do you have? What can you send me? You got anything I can move today, right? Because again, the market is kind of where it is. January, this is a normal January in a normal market. Like it usually slows down after the holiday peak. That's normal cyclical nature of shipping. So then you have all these brokers then start rushing to call everybody screaming, what can you give me now? What can you give me now? What do I have now? They got no relationships, no trust, nothing, right? And all that does is irritate people. So again, why we're using the analogy of farming, it's like, okay, well, if you haven't planted last season, don't expect to harvest anything now. And you are where you are. So accept, take responsibility for the fact that you're at where you are for no one's fault but your own. But once you've moved past that, now you've got to plant seeds, not go and try to hunt for something out in the woods. Like if you're starving and you got to go find some food in the woods, it's going to take you a very long time to find anything to eat. But if you started today and you're like, okay, I'm going to plant a crop that I can harvest two months from now, three months from now four months from now, you can have a great 2023. But again, that takes more of the farming mentality, the planting of seeds, establishing relationships and taking a longer term view of the sales cycle. Not what freight can you give me today or can you onboard me next week? But hey, how did last year go? Hey, look, I'm not looking to be onboarded today. I just want to introduce myself and kind of see what last year looked like and maybe follow up with you in a month or two. Right. And then to start building and planting these seeds and cultivating them instead of just trying to grab whatever you can get because you're frantic because you didn't plan and you ended up in a shitty position for nobody else's fault. Right. Because it just yeah. exacerbates it. And and I'll add to that. If you if any of you use the, you know, the sales funnel or the sales pipeline terminology. Right. The concept there with the funnel is that we a funnel is larger at the top. And it's smaller at the bottom, and then it drops out of the hole at the bottom, right? So you fill up your entire funnel with leads. As they move down to the bottom of that funnel, you're prospecting, you're qualifying them, you're following up, you're building a relationship and rapport with them, and then they drop out the bottom when there is business flowing for you. Same with the sales pipeline. Everything comes in on one side, it progresses through down the pipeline, it comes out the other end as a customer with revenue. Now, if you spend all your time just servicing your customers that came out of that funnel 
and you're not continuing to fill up that pipeline or if you're not continuing to fill up that funnel and then that spigot's turned off, well, it's empty. You can't, there's nothing else to fall in there. So you are going to have to swallow the hard pill and admit to yourself that I am going to have to put in a solid six, eight, 12 weeks of putting on that old hat of prospecting like it's day one, like I'm a brand new broker. The good news is you're an expert in your field now. You've done this before. It's going to be easier the second time. Yes, it's not the most enjoyable thing to go out there and make a ton of cold calls. But I've been there before where it's like, hey, stuff dried up. Time to go back out there and hammer down for a little bit. And you got to do it. And eventually you get back into it and you're like, the intimidation factor is gone. Because right? yes. we've already gotten over that. It's just like, all right, I got to change my routine and do all this again. It's make all these calls and blah, blah, blah. But it's not really that bad. And you've got to have that long, you got to like really, really aim high down the road in your vision and think this is not going to change my next commission check. But three, four, five, six months from now is sure as hell will. Yes. So, and I think seriously, and I got asked this question from somebody else. Somebody emailed me this actually this morning said, you know, what do you think about the economy and what do you think about the freight market? Right. Like, what are your thoughts? And I said, to be honest, I've never given a shit if the market is increasing or decreasing. In fact, I only care that it is moving. And the main reason for that is it is so large that I don't give a shit if it went from 900 billion to 800 billion or to $755 billion because the portion I'm trying to get is tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? And like, no matter what, like even if the market is shrinking, like there are opportunities everywhere. And there are opportunities always everywhere if you do the right things. If you build the trust and the rapport, guess what? It is inevitable that that person you're speaking to will have a problem within the next week or two. Somebody won't show up. A truck will break down. I'll simplify it for you. Ready? I'll simplify it for you. Just be the better half. Be above average. If yeah. you're an above, and this is carriers and brokers. If you're an above, it's everything average, in life, right? If you're above the fifty percent, fifty percentile, right? Above average broker, right? It would take the economy or the shipping volume to shrink fifty percent for you then to have to worry about something. Yes. But if it shrinks ten percent, and again, we looked at year over year, um, yeah, we, December twenty two, right, is down only four percent shipping volume. From 21, and it's still up 4% from 20. Yes. So if you're above average, you've got nothing to be worried about. Oh. The problem, though, is that you focus so much of your time on just enjoying all the, the fruitfulness and not doing your job like you should be doing. So take this as, a, as, a, as a, a, a true opportunity. Be humble and admit to yourself that, hey, I figured that this is the mistake I made and I'm going to learn from it. And the next time the market cycles, cause it will again, it's many, a many times, you will not make that mistake again, hopefully. And here's the other thing. And we haven't talked about this much, but I was listening to a podcast over the weekend and it, I just completely forgot about this. Um, cause I just kind of come second nature to me, but I was reading, I'm rereading, um, shoe dog, the Phil Knight um, memoir. Good book, by the way. But what he's talking about is when he first starts, he's like, 22 or 23 and he's selling like um literally encyclopedias door to door and he sucks at it he's like i hated it i could barely sell it i was terrible and he's like but he had a finance background so then he's like he went and sold stocks and he was like i understood them so i did okay but i wasn't great at it 
Well, then when he went to sell shoes because he was, you know, a collegiate athlete and he had a passion for it, he killed it. But the reason was, and it was one simple reason, he had conviction in what he was doing. He believed in it, right? And that's one of the most overlooked areas, I think, in freight brokerage, right? Because my competitive advantage on a sales call isn't really necessarily my knowledge or the time. It's my conviction. It's that I will tell you unequivocally that I am better than whoever you're using or will work harder. And it's one of the two, right? Not better, but will work harder. My effort will be above and beyond because I won't stop hustling. If you need something, I will find it. If you call me at eight at night, I'll find it. If you call me at seven in the morning, maybe I'm not in the office yet, but as soon as I get there, it'll be the first thing I do. How many people are you working with that are willing to put that effort into your relationship, right? And that's it's not even it's not even the words that you're saying. It's how you're projecting yourself. People, they can they can Feel smell it. and taste confidence and conviction like that. So yes. that's huge. Nobody wants to buy from somebody that doesn't believe they can do it, right? Like, I'm going to yeah. give you my freight and you sound like you might be able to move it, right? Like, I want to give it to somebody that I believe is going to do a better job at a better rate or with better service than who I'm currently using. Exactly. So there you go. Uh, get out there. Don't forget your, Don't forget the basics, right? It's all, yeah. you know, this is simple stuff, but it's it's hard to have the discipline to go back to doing the... Call it what it is. Nobody likes prospecting. Nobody yes. likes being rejected. Unenjoyable. <laughs> yes. It's not the fun part of the job. The fun part is raking in all the cash and moving all the freight. But the reality is, is it's a necessary evil. And if you want to be successful, you can't without that. Yep. Hey, and the, uh, the best brokerage companies out there, they have sustained and flourished throughout this and they, and they've, you know, been hiring bodies and adding folks. So I'm going to give out a shout out to our friends at Lean Solutions Group. Lean is the industry leader in nearshore staffing solutions with offices in South America and other countries, including freight broker, back office operations roles, accounting, tech development, business development, marketing, customer service, and many other positions. To learn more about the vast solutions that Lean has to offer your freight brokerage or agency, visit them at leangroup.com. That's L-E-A-N group.com. To be a little bit more drilled down on that, some of the most common roles that we've seen folks uh, lean on, no pun intended, they've relied and leaned on Lean Solutions Group for are track and trace, billing, dispatch, uh, carrier sales, things of that nature. So make sure to check them out at leangroup.com. We've got four Q&A questions today, um, some through the website, some through our Facebook group, some through our um, contact forum. The first one, very generic. How do I price a lane? Um, we have a lot of content on this, so I won't get too specific. But in order to price a lane, you have to understand the supply and demand behind it. So to be very, to be very, very 101 Barney style level on this, demand, how many... How much demand is there to ship freight in that lane? And then supply, how many trucks are available in that lane? So a great tool, DAT has rate view. There's other tools. I've used Sonar. I've used a whole bunch of uh, proprietary rating tools. And they will tell you what the market rate has been recently in that lane. And that gives you a starting point. But there's nothing more accurate than talking to an actual driver who's available and getting the information from them on what they are requesting to be paid. Um, it could be a you know a wish list from them. They want eight thousand dollars to go you know a thousand miles. 
Uh, but you're actually talking to an actual driver, and that is a real market price. So you talk to enough of them, you get a, a rough idea of, of what that lane's going for. But data is your friend. But again, it's there's a lot of variance in it. Um, but yeah, look at the tools you got. Look at the history. Look at the rating tools. Talk to drivers out there. Figure out what the actual market price is for it. And that's how you can add your margin on and quote your customer. Here's the thing I would add to that. I mean, average margins probably now, I guess, 10, 11%. You know, in a normal market, you're probably trying to get 15 or 16. Um, the other thing I would add is the time component on the price of a lane. If you need me to move this lane in the next two hours, it's going to be a different rate than if I've got two days to move it, one day or three days. And one of the things you want to dig in, if you've got a load that needs moved in an afternoon and you get it one in the afternoon, let's say, I'm going to do exactly what Nate said. But the other thing I'm going to look at is what Nate pointed out is I'm going to look at the trucks posted in that area to see how many are actually posted. And I'm going to look at what other brokers are also posting that lane for that day, because you will see things that happen inside an average, right? The averages you'll see are over time, usually three, seven days. But we also want to know is if we've got hours to move and there's only four trucks in that market that can pick up your load, the average doesn't mean very much. What now matters the most is exactly what you said, what that carrier is going to actually move it for you. And in addition to who else is posting, do they have a price attached to it? What are they offering a carrier? Yep. Right. So next question. This one's probably going for uh, for you. Um, I'm a broker and I send carriers into the ports. Should I be registering my brokerage or the drivers with the ports? There was more context. They talk about UIA and what they check at the actual gate when they get there. But um, I mean – the driver definitely needs to be approved. So what, what, what you do a lot of drayage, what's your take on this? Well, it's kind of different. And some of the ports are a little bit different, but to be honest, like your UIIA certification should get your drivers into the ports. And that's for drayage. Now, if you're not a dray carrier, then that doesn't help you. Like if you're going to send a van or a flatbed into a port, it's different. Um, so the only time I've ever registered a truck going into a port was I used to use Landstar because Landstar has an asset authority and has the ability to send trucks into a port. And what that means is they were able to take a brokered truck and send like on their letterhead approval temporarily for the brokered truck to use their, not necessarily Twit card, but to use their authority to get into a port. But apart from that, to be honest, if you're running a flatbed or a van into a port, if they don't have a Twit card, look for local escorts. Just Google the port and Google local escorts, or I've called the port and asked for a list of the escorts. Usually they'll just email it to you. Like Houston and Beaumont have them. Like you call Beaumont, Texas, they'll send you a list of escorts and then you just pay these escorts a flat rate. So like even if your truck or your you know your flatbed or your van doesn't have a Twit card, you can pay the escort, I don't know, 250 instead of paying the truck that has the Twit card 150. It was usually just like kind of round numbers. But I've yeah, never I'll, registered a driver. I'll uh well, so I'll the UIA does have a um an approved carrier approved carrier list and I have had folks that would actually register the driver. So they were on the, um, they were on the approved list when they got there. But to answer the question about the brokerage, um, never register the brokerage because they, they don't care who brokered the deal. They care about who's showing up there. So who they're putting that's, the freight on. 
All exactly. the insurance that's, and all the stuff that they care about the port is who they're putting the cargo yep. on. They don't care about What's the, the MC on the side of the truck. That's that's yep. exactly right. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is the next one. I didn't know if it was a joke or not, but it was just from our Facebook group. As a broker, do I need to take training on, uh, do I have to take drug and alcohol training like a driver does? And there's a lot of funny comments like, um, if you are, t- if you're going through alcohol counseling, you're not going to be a good broker or something like that. Like you need to be, basically you need to be a drunk. But um, to, to legitimately answer the question, there is no, there's no training on controlled substance or anything like that for brokerages. The reason that um, substance abuse is addressed in driver training is because it's part of the, well, they're driving behind the wheel of a truck, right? It's part of your actual CSA score. So if a, if a carrier has a, has a DOT inspection and the driver has, uh, if they, if they have any controlled substance on them, like that dings the carrier very bad. And even if they fire the driver that lingers with them for quite some time. Right. And then they, a lot of times they'll have to have like a safety ladder that shows the corrective action taken, but that does get dinged on your FMCSA uh, your CSA scores when a, a broker goes to vet you out. So no, as a broker, you don't have to have that um, training. But I will say you should understand how CSA scores work, what they mean, and you should understand how to be able to read through inspection data and properly vet out carriers. So thought it was pretty funny uh, when I saw that one, though. But <laughs> I've definitely met a lot of brokers that uh, probably need to go to counseling for drug and alcohol abuse. <laughs> it's a stressful job. I digress. All right. Last, last one here. Uh, a shipper is asking me for a credit application. What is that? And how do I get one? Uh, credit application is, it's not a required form, but if your customer wants one, they're basically, they're giving you, it's a form they can fill out to give you the information to look them up in a credit database to approve them a credit line. And it's kind of an interesting question that they're a customer is going to ask you for a credit app. You could just say, I don't use one or whatever. Uh, but a lot of times you want to know the name of the company, their address, be able to look them up in a database and be able to find out, um, do they pay their bills on time? What's their average days to pay? Do they have any outstanding debt that's been lingering around for you know, 60, 90, 120 days, stuff like that. Um, but other good things that I've always included on a, like a customer setup process is find out their payables information, right? Yes, have their name and address and all that and phone number, but you should also know who who to send an invoice to and how do they want the invoices sent. You know, if you send them by email by default and they have a third-party online billing system, you better know that before you send an email invoice and it just gets lost in, you know, the email chain there. But uh, it's just a credit application. They're they're fairly common. It's just a sheet that's got company information, so you can look them up in a database and figure out if they're worthy of you extending a line of credit to them. Um, anything else that you add in? On uh, do you use credit apps? I don't know if I asked you this before. Mm, to be honest, I haven't done that in so long that yeah, we don't I mean, use them. Everything you kind of covered was exactly what was on the top of my mind. Um, I mean, it's basically I mean, you kind of. I mean, you don't even necessarily need one. I think it's a good thing to have, um, like you said, for those reasons. The information but I, on it yes. that you get from it is more important than the actual document. Right, exactly. Because people, like, they have this mentality, oh, well, this customer, they signed it. They agreed to pay their invoices in 30 days. 
Well, guess what? They don't care what they signed. If yeah, they don't have the money to pay their invoice, they're yeah. not paying it. Like it's right. just it's that simple. Exactly. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Good episode. Um, we're gonna uh, try to get someone on from DAT coming up to talk about the market. It's been a huge thing lately, so we're gonna get the expert, one of the experts in here, to talk to us about what they've seen at the macro level coming up. Hopefully, in the next month or so. So stay tuned for that one. Um, Send us your questions. If you guys have episode topic requests, send us those as well. We, uh, we've we gotten a lot more questions than we have um, topic requests. So feel free and shoot us those and we'll uh, we'll definitely try to add them to our lineup if they're, if they're good, applicable topics. You got anything else? Just like the one thing that keeps sticking with me is that like in both markets, like the psychology behind them is that they all, they both seem like they'll last forever, right? When the market's high, it seems like it'll last forever, right? When the market's down, it feels like it lasts forever, right? And we're at a bottom part of the cycle. And why I point that out is there isn't really anywhere for it to go but up. I mean, I guess technically it could come down, but we're at numbers where if it fell even below that, honestly, most carriers would stop running freight anyway. So, I mean, I think that's good news. I think what 23 is going to likely look like is us cycling into a normal cycle again. It looks like the contract market and the spot market are coming back to normalcy where they're not super far apart. So, I mean, these are all good indicators that we're moving into a market that is like just more normal for the whole industry, which is good for everybody, whether you know it or not. Yeah. I mean, I feel like from what I've seen, I feel like the worst was like two months ago, maybe two and a half months ago is where it really felt like, you know, like we weren't feeling the, we weren't feeling the fall like we should have peak season. Like we definitely saw a little bit of a spike November, December, but I feel like early November is like kind of where I was like, man, like, is it going to keep going down? And then it's kind of bounced back since then a little bit. So, I mean, I'm hoping, and if you just look at the, look at the, the macro level, like look at the S and P and all that. And I bet that would correlate fairly similarly. Um, our industry is going to correlate to an extent with, you know, to a large extent, the yeah. economic status of our country. I heard some last week made me laugh. It said markets are like sex. They feel best just before they're over. <laughs> And I was like, that's pretty apt. Like, I mean, they peak and everybody's super excited and feels like it'll last forever. And then it cycles its way all the way around again. Ben Kowalski, the proverb master. That's a good one. Well, good stuff. Great episode. And uh, we'll see what we got in the book for next week. Yeah. If you're looking for a new home for your agency, reach out to me at Business to Business Logistics. You can reach out to Nate at Pierce or both of us at info at freight360.net. If you're looking for a new home for your book of business, looking to take it somewhere else, looking for more support, we're here to help if you need it. Love it. Love it. Final thoughts? Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Check out the show notes for links to anything that we've referenced on this episode. And make sure to visit us online at Freight360.net to see our entire library of episodes, videos, blogs, and more. And make sure to check us out on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel for daily and weekly tips and content. If you'd like your question answered on the show, fill out the contact us form on our site and we'll see you next week.